0: Well, welcome back. Um, Got to say, for Windsor folk, I think that bell is the best thing. <laughs> Nobody's ever back on time. And uh, so, well, well, well done, Gordon, ringing, ringing the bells. And thank you for being back on time. Uh, we do want to try and just sort of stick time and get things uh, through. Um, but I hope you enjoyed your coffee. Uh, good. Thank you. Well done, Maureen and the folk and all the buns. So, thank you. Um, I really mean, I hope you enjoyed the coffee because today is not about just hearing what Andrew has to say. Uh, And today is not about learning what Ed Welsh wrote in a book. Uh, But today is about being side by side. Uh, So being side by side is as much about drinking coffee as it is about sitting in the pew and hearing about Psalm 22. So I have two challenges for you. Uh, The first challenge is before this conference ends, to have spoken to somebody that you've never spoken to before. Now, I actually don't think that's going to be too hard, because there's plenty of people that I haven't spoken to before, and we've all got name badges. So that's the first challenge, and you get a bonus point if you remember what they look like and speak to them tomorrow, (laughs) where they're in different clothes and they have no name badge on. So that's your bonus point. And the second challenge is to speak to somebody you do know but to really speak to them and to end up today saying, I actually know something more about that person. And I'm gonna give you uh, just a story about how Roy McMullen used to do it. So Roy, for those of you who don't know, uh, was a previous pastor of this church. And when Roy said, Brian, how are you? The answer was never fine. Because we all say fine, but if you said fine to Roy, Roy would fix his stare on you, he would grab you by the forearm, and he would say, Brian, how are you really? And that stare didn't go off, and that grip didn't let let go until Roy thought he really knew what was going on in your heart. Uh, So please don't don't, don't be grabbing people by the forearms. (laughs) But whatever way, um, go home knowing a little bit more about somebody that you already know. Uh, a little bit about. Uh, but let's pray. And Father, our prayer is that the words uh, of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> now you can go home now because if all you remember is what Andrew said, that we turn to God first before we return to one another. That, that's all you need to remember. That, that's the first thing, that's the building block, that's, that's worth, uh, worth everything. Uh, and that's where we wanted to start, and I, we're so grateful to Andrew uh, for doing that. But if you're, since you haven't left, then you're here for the second session. And I hate to tell you, but it's going to be harder. Because we're going to be trying to turn to one another in our need. And... That's exactly what Paul encourages the church in Rome to do whenever he says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Ed Welsh writes, oops, there we go. And he says, asking people for help makes calling out to the Lord seem easy by comparison. The Lord already knows we're weak and needy, but other people, that's a different story we desperately want to appear competent before them. And it's that last phrase, we desperately want to appear competent before them. We're often reluctant then to share our neediness if we want to appear competent. And just an example, I wonder how many of us here have been brave enough to go up for prayer ministry at the end of a Sunday evening service. Everybody sees us. Everybody knows we're going up because we want prayer, and suddenly we're seen as needy, we're seen as vulnerable, we're seen as not in control of our own lives. And Ed suggests that those of us with a Y chromosome, the men in this room are going to find this even more difficult. We're not very good at asking for help. And the example that he gives is what we do whenever we men are driving our cars and we get lost. We never ask for directions. We never stop and wind the window down. We never let on that we don't know where we're going because we don't want to appear vulnerable or in need. If I can just give you a a personal example of that, Um, I'm not very good at tennis, but but I quite like it. So I decided I would sign up for a group lesson. Uh, And a couple of weeks ago, I turned up for the first group lesson and there was me and there was five middle aged women. And that was it. Now, I knew my need, and my need was to get better at tennis. And I knew that going to this coach was going to get me better at playing tennis. But really? Playing tennis with five middle-aged women? It was going to look like I'd joined a women's group. And there was my problem. It was my pride, it was my ego, it was my image. What were people going to say about Brian playing tennis with these women? So you can ask me afterwards if I went back or not. But the sad thing is they were better than me. I wasn't going to tell you that, but that is the truth. Um, so that was me. But anyway, um, if you're all like me, if everybody in this room is as pathetic at being seen to be vulnerable, as unwilling to actually be seen to be getting help, how can we ever help one another? because nobody will know, we just keep up appearances. And if we turn it the other way around, if you think about a time when a friend did share something of need with you, how did you respond? So uh, can you think of somebody right now, can you think of a circumstance right now where somebody actually says, look, I am in need here, and they actually made, made their vulnerability known to you. Perhaps it was somebody at work, uh, and they were going through medical tests, and they were worried. And you took the time to share that worry with them, and not to dismiss it, but to actually follow it up and see how they were afterwards. Or perhaps it was somebody in small group who shared a verse that had meant something to them this week. And suddenly, you were rejoicing with them that God has spoken to them through his word, that they were sharing a passion for for, for, for scripture. And suddenly there is a bond there because you and they share this love of scripture and this verse. Or perhaps it was a friend who's been struggling with sin and they come and they share that with you. You don't see them as any less holy, but you actually rejoice that they're willing to address their sin. And are just humbled the fact that they're willing to share it with you. So in all of these scenarios, somebody has been open, somebody has chosen to trust you, and it has led I see to a greater respect for that person. And it was that act of vulnerability, it was that act of honesty, that actually drew you closer together, that actually allowed you to become more side by side. So when someone has opened up and let you inside their struggles and joy, it actually makes relationships go that little bit deeper and you know them that little bit better. And Ed Welsh writes, spiritual neediness is one of the most attractive acts of a human being. So how do we address the paradox of those two statements, of those two situations where on the one hand we are so reluctant to share our own need, and yet on the other hand, when somebody opens up and shares with us, it actually is such an attractive quality. How can we take seriously Paul's words to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn? How can we do that successfully in Windsor? At the end of this session, hopefully, we'll have seen a biblical precedent for that, for how we share or in fact, how how Paul shared his needs and joys. And secondly, we'll have heard of an example of neediness and how Windsor responded. And thirdly, we'll each have tried sharing something and being prayed for. And the three steps that we're going to learn (coughs) are name it, verse it, share it. Now, if you get the Ed Welsh book, it is written in much better English And it's much more eloquently put. But if we just simply remember those three steps of name it, verse it, share it, that will cover what we need to learn today. So let's first of all look at what Paul writes in Romans 15. Paul writes, pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea. And that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people, Lord's people there so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and be refreshed in your company. So as we look at Paul's requests, there, we're going to try and name it. We're going to try and name them or identify them using three categories. And those three categories then, later on, we're going to try and take our needs, our struggles, and put into the exact same three categories. So those three categories are circumstances, character, and kingdom, So sorry, Richard and Mr. Greenwood Sr., I'm spelling kingdom with a C here simply so that I can get three C's. (laughs) Uh, So you've got circumstances, character, and kingdom, those three C's. And if we use those, then that will help us to get life into perspective. It'll help us to go from our immediate circumstances and get an eternal kingdom value on what is going on. So to give you an illustration about what we mean uh, about circumstances, kingdom, as character and kingdom, we're going to use a well-known Christian biography, uh, and that is The Wizard of Oz. And if you think about The Wizard of Oz, you all know the story that Dorothy is taken up in a tornado and taken very far away from home. So what about Dorothy's circumstances then? Well, she's lost. She's lost her dog, Toto, and wants to find him. She wants back to Kansas to see her Aunt Em. And she wants life to go back to the way it was. And perhaps for us, circumstances are the most natural thing that we can relate to. If somebody says today, what is your need? Or how can I pray for you? And it may not be a tornado that I'm going through today. But the question to me, the question to you is, what are my needs right now? What would I say, the circumstances I'm in uh, that I would like to share. Uh, and secondly, character. Dorothy's character is going to grow through the circumstances that she is in. She's going to find happiness in the middle of the mess. She's going to learn to be brave and to stand up to evil. She's going to learn to share her needs with friends and allow them to help her. So, what aspect of my character? Can God use and address and mature in the midst of my circumstances? How would I like to grow more like Christ where I am right now? And thirdly, kingdom. Dorothy will use her circumstances, use her character to benefit others on their journey to the Emerald City. I actually think this is a lovely image, um, And I leave out Toto on the left. Um, Yes, on your left there. But apart from Toto, those four, they all have deep needs. And they're all together in their differences. And they're all leading one another to God, if you allow the analogy. So there is a picture of what God's kingdom can be like, regardless of circumstances and regardless of character. So the question is, For me, how can my circumstances and my character be used to advance God's kingdom? So, with those pictures in mind, let's actually go back to the Word of God. And let's go back to those verses that we read of Paul's. And see if we can categorize Paul's needs into circumstances, character, and kingdom. And if we start with circumstances, Paul says, pray that I may be kept safe. Pray that I may be refreshed in your company. So it's okay if we're feeling afraid to say, please keep me safe. It's okay if we're going on a car journey to say, Lord, keep us safe in this car journey. It's okay if we're feeling tired to say, Lord, refresh me. It's okay for us to ask for company to be with, for friends to meet our needs and to refresh us. Every circumstance that I'm in, Paul shows us that we can bring it to others for prayer, we can bring it to God in prayer. So I can put God right in the middle of my circumstances right now, whatever those circumstances are. Secondly, character. Let's suppose you're Paul and you're terrified of going on this journey and you're uh, concerned and you're also exhausted, what would you ask prayer for? Or what would you want to develop in your character? And Paul asks for joy. He just asks for one of the fruit of the Spirit. And if you go in the verse before that in Romans, Paul talks about love. So regardless of what circumstance we are in, we can always be looking to mature our character along the lines of the fruit of the Spirit. So if I think of my circumstances right now What fruit of the spirit could I best see develop within me and within these circumstances? What would I want to ask others to pray for me in the middle of my circumstances that I can become more like Christ? And thirdly, kingdom. Paul asks that the gifts he is bringing will be favorably received by the Lord's people and he asks that he will get to Rome according to God's will and that God's will will be done. So similarly, I can pray that whatever my circumstances, whatever my character, that God would build his kingdom here. And there's a prayer that we can all pray regardless of circumstances or character. So hopefully these three Cs of circumstances, character, and kingdom have helped us to categorize what Paul was praying for. And hopefully it'll help us at at the end to then try and categorize our situation into these three areas. So if step one was to name it, step two is to verse it. And Ed Welsh writes, first we put our burdens into words, and that's name it. And second, we attach words of scripture that capture both our needs and God's purposes and promises. Whenever Jesus was tempted by the devil, he used scripture. When Jesus was in anguish on the cross, he used Scripture. When Jesus was comforting those disciples on the road to Emmaus, he used Scripture. Jesus was able to take the whole of Scripture and apply it to the whole of his life. And that was just, that echoes what Andrew was saying at the end of our session uh, earlier. And Jesus applied it not only to his own life, but also to the life of those who had needs around him. So, how can we learn to do that? How can we learn to verse it? How do we move? From naming our needs to placing scripture alongside them. Uh, And to illustrate this, I'm going to use a personal example of how Windsor helped me. Um, Some of you know that I was off sick recently. I was off for four months. And it was as if the Lord had stopped me in my tracks. And I suddenly became desperately needy in a very dramatic way. I was in pain. I was confined to bed. And in those four months, I did receive wonderful uh, support from Windsor, uh, which I am very grateful for. And when people ask me how they could pray for me, then those three Cs of circumstances and character and kingdom helped to shape what I can ask prayer for. So as I describe the situation I was in and the needs that I had, can you think about, if you were me, how you would verse it? where would you go to in scripture to address these needs in this situation? Or if you'd been coming visiting me, what verse would you have brought and shared with me? So we're working through a real example, and I really would love to hear what verses come into your head, because I believe that as you work through these circumstances, and as you engage with trying to think what scripture you would bring, the Holy Spirit can bring verses into people's minds and things that you can share. And don't worry about getting it wrong. You can't get it wrong. There are 31,000 potential right answers, because all of Scripture is God-breathed and of benefit. Now, we're not going to wait for everybody to read 31,000 verses out, but I would like some folk, whenever you see these circumstances and character issues and kingdom issues, Call it a verse that's come into your mind so that we can learn from each other. Oh, so he thought of that, she thought of that, and that way we can learn from one another. So, what verses come into your mind for my circumstances? I was praying for my health to come back. I was praying for my family and the distress that was causing them, me lying in bed doing nothing, Um, but also Heather having to look after the whole of the household, the whole of the family and for work to get sorted out? Or what portion of scripture would speak to my character, a character that certainly needed to learn patience and contentment and to become more like Christ? Or what verse in the Bible would you turn to for kingdom values to address my witness in my illness, that my illness would be used to God's glory? Okay, there's the scenario Call out a verse, please. Help me out. Thank you, Patricia. And uh, there, has that been helpful to you? So now, and there, in our need, one person who's had his need, their need helped can minister to another. Thank you. Okay, so happy is she that has the God of Jacob for her refuge. So thank you. We can turn to God for our refuge. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Okay, wait patiently. So there's somebody's being directive to me. Okay, they're telling you, you need patience here, Brian. Yep, wait patiently, good. I'll be with you when you are in the I will be with you when you are in the valley. Thank you. Okay, so there we go. Comfort, comfort my people, thank you, and draw near to God, and he, will, and he will draw near to you. The next time I lead, I want to lead on drawing near to God because I think that would be a lovely thing to bring us into worship. Okay, so there are verses that different people have shared, and thank you for, for doing that. I'm going to give you three verses that people did bring to me, um, not because they're any better than those, but just to let you see... I suppose, how how I responded to them. And the first one was Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down. Now, you could say, what a trite, overused verse for anybody to bring. That person didn't even think about it. That's probably the verse they bring to everybody. Um, But the person said, Brian, the phrase that I'm bringing to you is, he makes you lie down. God has made you lie down here. You weren't taking time and God is making you lie down. Uh, and so he brought that and shared that as this was God's will and this was part of God's kingdom work in me. So Psalm 23 for no long, is no longer something that is trite or simplistic to me. It, it is beautiful and it is alive. And those verses that I learned to recite as a child, I've now learned all over again. secondly, and a bit like saying be patient, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And maybe you need to know a person a little bit better to actually be being directive. But those spoke right to character issues that I needed to hear. I needed to learn to be joyful, to have hope, to be patient in affliction, to be faithful in prayer. But if you thought that was directive, you have to know a person very well to bring these verses to them. To keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Now, there's a good start <clears throat> if you're coming. David, probably not something to start with. <laughs> Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Now, often we will use that last verse without necessarily reading the first two. And yet, if you put those verses together, this is so rich. And this is, again, Paul, in the prayer requests or in the challenges that he is uh, talking about, he's bringing character issues, he's bringing kingdom issues, and he's bringing circumstances. And if you think about circumstances, Paul prayed that that the thorn of the flesh would be fixed. But it wasn't. Paul had to accept his circumstances. And the challenge of those verses with me in that situation was was I willing to accept my circumstances? And these verses speak to character because why was Paul given this thorn in the flesh? It was to keep him from being proud, it was to keep his character humble. So was I, being self-sufficient and independent, confident of my own ability, not turning to God, did I need to more humbly depend on Christ? Was that an issue I needed to address in my circumstances? And finally, ultimately, kingdom values, because Paul learns that God's grace is sufficient because the power of Christ is now able to work through him. So the challenge for me is, would I allow God's power to work in me through my weakness? Now, none of those verses might have been the ones you thought of. And it's not that those were the right answers, but those were words that were brought to me and were administered to me. But as you listen to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will give you different verses for your situation, different verses for you to share with other people in their situation. So hopefully you get the idea of trying to match the naming it of the need with the versing it of scripture. And I would have to say that the Bible has never been as alive to me as it was in those last, those, those four months. And when folk shared scripture to me, it was, it was like food for my soul that I was eating up and drinking and devouring. Um, so I would encourage you that just by doing that, that bond of friendship, that bond of relationship, that depth of uh, communication and understanding that was just brought by sharing a verse of Scripture together. So that was my story. And shortly, we'll all get our turn to name it and to verse it. So we've named it and we've versed it, and now we share it. So let's read the preceding verse in Romans chapter 15, because Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. So Paul is acutely aware of his needs. He describes them as his struggle. And Paul wants other people to know that he's struggling. He's not hiding it. He's no difficulty in showing that he is vulnerable and that he is needy. And also, Paul doesn't wait for somebody to come up to him and say, how are you? Paul goes out to the church of Rome and says, pray for me. He takes the initiative and he urges them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Holy Spirit to pray for them. We can be very good at wearing masks in church. We can be very good at keeping up appearances. And Paul in this verse is modeling for us a different way a way where that we can be open about our struggles, that we can maybe let our masks down a little bit and we maybe can learn to ask for help. So we're almost there. We've spent most of the time learning how to take our struggle and to try and ca- uh, categorize it under circumstances, character and kingdom, as we name it. And then as we've named it, trying to apply scripture to it verse it, and then to share it. But what about the first half of the verse that we started with? What about rejoice with those who rejoice? Because Paul sees the balance there, and it is important that we do them both. So when was the last time we actually celebrated God's goodness with someone? When we celebrated someone's spiritual victory in a battle, If you want to look for a wonderful example of it, turn up Exodus chapter 17, where Joshua has just uh, won the battle. Moses was holding his hands up. Uh, Aaron and her were helping him, but whenever they go to celebrate, they say, no, no, wait for Joshua to go up so he can celebrate and the soldiers can celebrate together. They wait till everybody can be joined in, and then they're able to celebrate the circumstances, yes, but also celebrate the God that brought them the victory in those circumstances. So the principles are the same if it's Rejoicing as well as mourning, we want to name it, we want to verse it, and we want to share it. So, in conclusion, we do as a church want to rejoice with those who rejoice, and we want to mourn with those who mourn. But for that to happen, we actually have to be willing to open up about our needs, and about our struggles, and about our victories. But if we are willing to do that then others are able to come in and show love and to show care. And that is the body functioning together. And most importantly God can use our weakness to bring his strength to the whole body. And we're able to say with Paul now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's the theory. We're now going to try and work it out in practice. And this is going to be hard. Um, but for the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to try and share and mourn and rejoice with each other. We're going to have five minutes' time just to reflect. Uh, and again, at in, in the back of your uh, n- uh, notebook uh, or the program uh, in your notes page we'd invite you to use that just to try and take a need or a victory and something you want to celebrate and to try and categorize it there what were the circumstances what character issue is going on what's God really doing with regard to his kingdom in this and then what part of scripture is the Lord leading me to to apply to this situation and if you don't know where to start, go back to Psalm 22 that Andrew led us through, because Psalm 22 has got something for everybody. Or go to Galatians 5, where the fruit of the Spirit are. Which fruit of the Spirit would I like to choose? Um, or you look up uh, other portions uh, of Scripture. Are there Bibles in the pews at all? There weren't in the back few rows. There are some in the front few. Okay, so there, there, there's, there's, there's Bibles uh, around if you want to use those as well. So again, we're going to use that wonderful bell wherever it has gone. And so after about five minutes, I'll ring the bell and that's your reflection time over. And then I'm going to ask you to get into threes. Now, if you're husbands and wives, you're members same family, you may want to split up for this. I I think I probably would. Uh, But if you want to stay together, that's all right. But we're going to get you into threes. And we're going to give everybody a chance to share what they've been thinking about. And please only share what you're comfortable thinking about. Okay, so we're not asking you uh, to go to somewhere that you're not able to go today, but just to share something. And then a second, the second person will listen carefully to that and will pray for you, and the third person will observe. And then we'll ring the bell and we'll move around in the cycle so that everybody gets a chance to do each of those three uh, roles. And there'll be about a five-minute slot for, for, each, for each one of those. So it's five minutes for reflection, five minutes for the first person to share and be prayed for, five minutes, etc. Now, I think it's going to feel uncomfortable, and it's going to feel unnatural. And perhaps some of you even think it's a bit false and artificial. Uh, But could you think about playing the piano, learning to play the piano, and how we play the piano well? Um, And one of the ways that we learn to play the piano well is actually practicing our scales. So this is a piano scale that we're going to be practicing. Andrew and Gordon had us practicing a scale earlier, practicing the scale of reading scripture and then praying to God with it. And this is a a scale of practicing listening, of practicing sharing and then listening and then praying to one another. And what's God gonna hear when we're practicing our scales? I think God's gonna hear harmony and I think it's gonna be a joy to God as we try to do this. So please do give it a go. Now, if you feel, oh, I've never prayed out loud in my life, I am not going to start now, if you think it's too difficult, then either you can just say, Lord, bless Brian, or whoever it is that you're praying for. Or you can ask the person that's observing, would you mind praying, because I couldn't do it. Or if you want, you can ask one of us to do it. Um, so please, we don't want to put you, we do want, we want to stretch, um, we, didn't, we didn't ask Andrew to do this section, uh, we thought we'd get our, one of ourselves, we do want to stretch a bit but we don't want to put you sort of, uh, stretch you too hard. And this will be the hardest bit of the whole conference, I promise you. Does that make sense? Okay, so what I would suggest is you you move around, you find yourself, some people want to move to the front, lift, lift chairs here, go to the back, get a little bit of space. If there's, if there's four in the row and you don't know who you're going to leave out, will somebody stick their hand up and everybody's hand is stuck up? You go and find three people with their hands stuck up, and it should all work out if you're willing to move around a little bit. Okay, so we'll give you a little bit of time to move around or to find another a triplet or whatever else you want to do, okay? Um, and take a bit of space, and then it will be just time to... In fact, no, tell you what, sit there and reflect, while you're there and you're comfortable. And then I'll ring the bell. And at that point, then we'll have chaos. And then once the chaos is over, we'll have the three sessions of praying. Okay, does that make sense? Uh, so a little bit of time just to be still and to reflect and I'll find the bell.